We're going to be over in Matthew chapter 9 to begin with here today. How many of you have ever been, been oh, thank you, been walking around, uh, interacting with some people, and it just seemed like you knew what someone was thinking? You can just kind of tell, well, I think I know what they're thinking. You kind of get that feeling. Or sometimes you're not even next to them. Sometimes they're someplace else, and you just get a, an enlightenment on the inside that you kind of know what somebody is thinking. And uh, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good. But that, that no one comes to us. Sometimes it's just a look that they have, uh, just a feeling that they gave us, whatever it might be. How many of you have been in a spot, you kind of know what somebody is thinking? Yeah, we've all been in those kind of places. And like the Word of God has told us, we have to test the spirits to see if they are of God. Just because you perceive something in your spirit to be God does not mean that it is. Just because you know the thoughts of someone else does not mean that God revealed them to you. Now, here's the real kicker. You may rightly know what someone else is thinking, and God still didn't reveal it to you. And if you are not on guard against that, it will mess you up royally. And we're going to show you in the Word of God today how that can really mess you up, how it has messed people up. And it will continue to mess people up. Because more people think that what they feel about God is more true than what they read. The number one thing we have on God is what He told us in His Word. And no matter what you feel, if you feel anything different from that, it's wrong. Number one thing we have is what His Word has told us. His Spirit will always speak to us in line with His Word. Because it is his spirit that inspired his word. So these are things we need to get to know. But in, in, uh, we're not, we're in Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. So he got in the boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once, some of the scribes said, what? Within themselves. How do you say something within yourself you think it now we don't just think in a, in a blank we actually think words think how many times have you thought words to yourself you haven't said it to anybody but you thought them you may just go outside today and we had this weather report of all these storms that were coming in we go outside we may think to ourselves it doesn't look like it's going to rain we may think to ourselves it's going to rain Whatever, we, but we say that to ourselves. This is what they did. It said, uh, where do we leave off it? Yep, I can't even find it on mine anymore. And at once some of the scribes said, within themselves, this man blasphemes. They didn't say it out loud. They just said it within themselves. Sometimes we're afraid to say something out loud, but we're not afraid to think it. So they thought it. Now, it doesn't say that one of them said this, did it? It said some, which means more than one. Generally, some is more than two. So we'll say that, you know, a number of them, a small number, it wasn't many. He said some. So it's not many. It's not a multitude. It's just some. So we had, you know, three, four, I don't know, five, whatever, whatever number it is. Let's just pick a number. Stay low. Let's say three people said this. Three people will be, for our example here, some. That's fairly conservative for, for some. 
So we have three people who all had the same thought. How did three people think the same thing and not say it out loud? Now, I've, uh, you all know that one of my favorite persons, about the only news person I listen to on a regular basis is Rush Limbaugh. I know many people hate him. And most of the people who hate him are the people who don't listen to him or listen to what the media says about him. Because if you actually listen to him, he is the most mild-mannered guy. He, 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 he is more patient with people of opposing views than I am. Far more patient. I'm, I'm ready to hang up on some of these people who call into his show and talk to him. In fact, I fast forward because I listen to it on podcasts. They just drive me crazy. I would have hung up on him. He's there patiently talking with them all. He's an incredibly patient guy on these things. But anyway, he's about the, the main one that I listen to. And one of the things he started doing years ago, years ago, I think the first time I heard it was back in the second Bush administration, is he would play what he calls a montage of media people. And he would take them from five, seven, ten different media outlets, sometimes more. And he would play the things that they would say that they all had said the day before on a particular item. And they're all using the same words. Every one of them. He does this so often anymore. And he does it to prove a point. But, but the first time I heard him do this was back when uh, President, the second President Bush picked his running mate of uh, Cheney. And every single one of them used this word I had never even heard of before. And that was, well, he has gravitas. How many have ever heard the word gravitas? I never even heard of it until that day when they came on out. But there were at least a dozen news outlets that all used the exact same word, gravitas. He's got gravitas. I've never heard anybody use that word since. But they all used it that next day. Now, if you listen to them, even, even today, anything that has happened, any shooting, any statement by a political person, it seems that the news media is always using the same words. And they're unusual words. But they use these same words in all of their, their newscasts. It's one of the most fun things I have that he, that he puts on the show. He says, we have a montage for you. Of all, and he just grabs all the news media's stuff. He has somebody there, puts it all together, and they, uh, you know, in 30 seconds, 45 seconds, you get to hear all. How many have ever heard him do one of those montages? A couple of you have. That's hysterical. But it goes on all the time. And what he does is he says, these guys are getting news from somewhere. Someone is putting out a message of what they want to say about all these particular things, and they're all saying the same thing. So I said all that to say this. If we have some people, without speaking out loud, who are thinking the same thing. They must have gotten it from a single source. A single source must have revealed to each one of them something to think, something to say to themselves. Who do you think that source was? Was it the Spirit of God? No. Would the Spirit of God say that Jesus blasphemes? No. So they got it from a different spirit. Not, if it's not of God, it's not the Holy Spirit, so it must be of the enemy. Somehow it's tied into the enemy, it's tied into the flesh, something like that. But they got, at least, we're just using the number three. It's, it's not in the Word, but it says some, but we're just using number three. Three people in this group of folks that are inside the house got the same word. He speaks blasphemies. Verse four. But Jesus, knowing 
their thoughts. They did not say it out loud. They said it quietly. Jesus, knowing their thoughts. How did Jesus come to know their thoughts? Well, it had to be. He didn't hear them, did he? It had to be revealed to him what they thought. Because he laid down his deity, so he's no longer having that ability that as God, he would know their thoughts. So the Spirit of God had to reveal to him what they thought. If the Spirit of God revealed to him what they thought, can there be any any doubt that the Spirit of God did not reveal it to them, the thoughts they had? So they're not thinking what God is saying, but Jesus got this in his Spirit. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, so Jesus is about to say something based on the fact that he knows their thoughts. That's got to be pretty sure. You, you really got to know that you know what they're thinking. So he says this. This is what he says. Why do you think evil in your hearts? So what are they thinking? He called it evil. Now we saw it as just a thought. Where does Jesus say that it is? It's in their heart. Why do you think evil in your heart? You know that sometimes a thought is more than a thought? It can get down in your heart. That's what he's saying about them. Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he rose and departed to his house. And if you keep on going, all the people are glad, you know, they're, and this, this is recorded in a couple of different places. But here's what we have. They begin to think this thing, several of them, and it got down into their hearts. And Jesus immediately dealt with it because the Spirit of God told him what was going on. Now, we've talked about this before. We saw in this passage, this particular passage, that um, the Spirit of God was present to heal all. Or the Spirit of God was present to heal them, I think at least it said which meant more than one, but how many in this meeting got healed? One. So their thoughts shut it down. Other people could have, uh, could have been healed. So the, the Spirit of God exposed what the thought was to Jesus, and then Jesus stepped out to, to deal with it. Here's another passage, Luke eleven fourteen, And he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So it was when a demon had gone out, that the mute spoke and the multitudes marveled, but some of them said, He cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Others testing him sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, no, what does it say? Knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And a house divided against itself falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, in this one, it says, but some, there's that word again, but some of them said he cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. 
But it says he knew their thoughts. So either they said it to themselves or they said it, they whispered it to each other. Don't know exactly on that one because it doesn't say that they said to themselves. But have you been in a group and seen people in the back whispering to each other, saying something so that no one else would hear it? It may have been that way or they may have said it to themselves. Whatever it was, they felt like it was outside of the reach of Jesus' ears. And so Jesus, it says, knowing their thoughts. So again, the thoughts of these people are revealed. And so Jesus begins to teach on this because their thoughts were he cast out devils by the ruler of the, de- of the demons, Beelzebub. So Jesus addresses that. Well, you think that I do this because I'm a ruler of the, of, uh, the house of devils. But if that was the case, that house would fall. But again, he knows their thoughts. Now, the Spirit of God reveals thoughts of people. He does do it. We already saw two cases right here in the Word. How many times Jesus had this happen that is not written in the Word? We don't know because it's not written in the Word. But we're pretty sure that since there were many, many acts that Jesus did, and these are two times when it's recorded that He knew their thoughts, that there are probably other times that there was as well. The Spirit of God reveals thoughts for the purpose of first exposing the enemy. And this is what we see here. The enemy came and he sowed thoughts into the crowd, into the religious leaders. And they were going to try and ex- to spread them into the group. So we're going to expose what the enemy is trying to do. Now the one is dealing with wrong beliefs. Sometimes wrong beliefs cause us to think along a line that is wrong. And the Spirit of God exposes that thinking so that the person that he's ministering through at the time can deal with that wrong belief. You know, you may be in front ministering to some people and the Spirit of God come upon you and says, they're thinking they don't have enough faith. They're thinking their sins are creating this situation. And then you can deal with that particular thing. Sometimes you may come out and say, some of you are thinking. Sometimes you don't even say anything about it at all. You just go right on out there and and you deal with it. So one of them is dealing with wrong beliefs. Here's the third one. Removing barriers of division. Removing barriers of division. That sometimes the thoughts people have put up barriers of division. And God can reveal them. So that you can... And you probably have come up with some other reasons. I just gave you a couple of them there. The enemy can reveal thoughts though as well. Some may even be true. He doesn't always have to make up false thoughts in order to do his job. He can actually come up with the right ones and expose them. Now, he, his, his darts, we talked about it before, his fiery darts are sowing thoughts. So if he can sow thoughts, then he can tell you what the thought was. Wouldn't that be right? He doesn't know what you're thinking, but he knows I sowed this thought into this person. The enemy can reveal thoughts as well. His purpose here is this. First off, division. The enemy wants to divide people. False beliefs. He wants people to have false beliefs as their foundation. And so he's going to have exposed things for that. Betrayal. Have you ever been betrayed by somebody because they thought you were thinking along a certain lines and you weren't? But they thought that? They had that revealed to them. I know you thought this about me. I didn't think that about you. What do you mean I thought that about you? You know, one time 
And uh, I, my mom will tell you, I, ever since growing up, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of emotions. I didn't show a whole lot of emotions. She should put it to you that way. Um, but I have learned over the years that what little I did show to not even show it. I learned that over the years. I, I, I learned how, how important that was uh, simply because of this. I was a youth pastor. And as a youth pastor, you know, I was coming into this. I was just getting involved in ministry and graduated out of Raymond, doing things in, the, in that area. And so one uh, particular of the, of the young men there had shared some things with me. And um, he, I, I don't even remember. I have no idea what they were. I wouldn't tell you anyway if, they were, if it was. But anyway, I still don't remember what they, what they were now. But he had shared some things with me. And after some months had passed... I did something that caused him to remember what he shared. And what it was, was uh, we were talking about something in a group. And in that group, as we came over, apparently to the topic of something that he had shared with me on, he said, you raised your eyebrows. I said, I I did? He says, yeah, you raised your eyebrows. I knew you were thinking about what it is that that I shared with you before. I said, I don't even remember what you shared with me before. Because generally, I'd, the best way to not say something that you're not supposed to say is to forget it. That's the best way. So I try and put those things out of my head. Because then I'm not responsible for, for saying it in the wrong, the wrong spot. But uh, he reminded me of what it was that he shared with me. And, oh, yeah, I do remember you, you sharing that. Um, did not have that on my mind. Now, whether he believed me or not from that point, I have no idea. But people will... Well, well the, he, he responded negatively to me in that group and held that for, I don't know, days, weeks, whatever time it was until he came and talked to me about it uh, because he thought he knew what I was thinking. Now, who would have revealed that thought to him? <laughs> now, I wasn't thinking it. Didn't have it on my mind at all. But uh, he thought that I did. So I said, man, I can't even raise my eyebrows. And the <laughs> so I had to learn to even control that. And make sure that I didn't even have those kind of things going on. So, you know, don't, don't have any look of shock. Don't have any look of, of uh, nothing can come across there. So I tried to, to, to pick those kind of things up. Um, but anyway, divisions, false beliefs, betrayal, other works of the flesh. The works of the flesh are, are quite abundant. And uh, the Bible lists quite a, few, quite a few things here. You can just write in some of those things. But this is what he wants to do. If he can get the works of the flesh going, he can destroy a lot of things. And that's what he tries to do. But God will not only reveal the thoughts, but also the plan of intent to help. God, if he's going to reveal a thought, he's going to reveal a plan to help the situation. When Jesus knew their thoughts, did he not know what else to do to teach? You're thinking that the Son of Man does not have power on earth to forgive sins. I'm going to show you that I do by doing this that you would see as something harder. God gave them a plan to show them. And the people marveled. The leaders, uh, they're a little, they didn't like that a whole lot. And the other one, when he's casting out demons. Well, they weren't casting out demons like he was, so they had to put him down somehow. And this thought came to them. And they were open to it. He's doing this because he's ruler of the demons. Oh, yeah, that's why he can do it and we can't. This will make us look better and him will look worse. And so they come out with that. But uh, Jesus exposed that. He'll reveal the thoughts to you, but also the plan to help, to, to bring, it, bring help along. The enemy often just wants us to react or follow a plan he sows that would seem to benefit or protect ourselves. 
That's the difference from God. God, if he's going to reveal the thoughts of somebody, he's going to give you a plan to help them. When the enemy sows thoughts, he wants you to react to it. Become protective. Become hurt. Become damaged somehow. Bothered. Whatever it might be. Fall in distrust. Come up with, he'll give you a plan to protect yourself. Now you need to protect yourself against this one over here. You find a place in the Word of God where God said, they're doing this, protect yourself. He doesn't do that. Not to the point that of, of hurting them. There are times that Jesus knew that the enemy was out there trying to get them. There's times that uh, God revealed the plans of, of an army that was uh, coming to, to get Elisha. And, but even there, he had a plan and it didn't hurt anybody. <laughs> Nobody got hurt in that, that whole thing. He, they all got fed and sent home. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying... Spoke to who? Himself. Saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. So get the picture. Here's this woman coming in, anointing him, washing his feet with her tears, wiping them with her hair. And this Pharisee who invited Jesus to the house is thinking this. Where do you think that phrase came from? This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman that is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Does that sound like the enemy? That sounds like his language. So the enemy comes and he sows the thought. Fiery darts are thoughts. This is the, but he embraced it. He embraced it. He didn't just, this wasn't just a passing thought. He grabbed hold of it. Brother Hagin used to always tell us. He says, thoughts are like birds. They may fly over your head, but they don't have to make a nest in your hair. You can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. So that thought may come. Just put that thought out. He didn't. He, he grabbed hold of it. This man, if he were a prophet, boy, does that ever sound like the language of the enemy? This man, if he were a prophet. That's not God. This is God's son. This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman. <laughs> She's nothing. She's nobody. Well, verse 40. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When he had nothing left with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. 
And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now this, an account like this is recorded in all four Gospels. This one is early on in Jesus' ministry. There, uh, the other accounts seem to be right before he was being crucified. And he calls it anointing him for his death. Uh, there may be two more accounts. There may be one. Uh, if you look at the dates of it, one is a couple of days before. And the other is about six days before. So it could be that there was uh, two of those events plus this one. This one does not seem to be the same. The area is wrong. He's in the wrong area than he is in the other one. But we look at this and we say, well, a person comes in with fragrant oil and, and the, the crying and the wiping of the, the, the feet and the hair. Well, maybe that was something that they did. Maybe that was something that was done a little bit more often than we're thinking. And that's why the idea came to some of the, some of the folks that were here. Maybe the Spirit of God put it in their heart to, to do this particular thing. But it sure seems that it happened more than once. And if this woman did it, the word probably got around that she did it. And other people probably saw that and said, you know what, I'm feeling inclination to do the same thing. And so uh, you can look at the other, other examples, things that went on. But here's what I want you to see. This man, this Pharisee, thought something in his heart. The thought came to him, he embraced it, thought it in his heart. And Jesus addressed it. What Jesus is doing is trying to bring unity. Simon, don't be thinking poorly on this woman. Don't be thinking poorly on what it is that she's doing. This woman is doing a great thing. This woman, her sins were many, but her sins are forgiven. He's lifting her up. He's not tearing Simon down to do it, but he's lifting her up. That's the plan of God. See, God doesn't have to tear people down, but the devil does. He likes to tear people down, and that's what he would try and do. So once again, Jesus knows the thoughts. So this this Pharisee, he begins to think to himself, this man can't be who he says he is. He wouldn't let this go on if he was. I know more than he does. I'm better than he is. You know, I wouldn't let somebody come in here and do that to me. In Matthew chapter 16, Peter came with a thought about Jesus. In verse 21, From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. This is after Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So he began to teach them on these things. It wasn't just one time. He was showing them a a few times. And a thought comes to Peter. He shouldn't do this. Wouldn't that have had to happen? It goes on and says, Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, that this should happen to you. Can Peter pull him aside and rebuke him in this manner without having a thought come to him? That while Jesus is teaching them about his death, burial, and resurrection, that a thought comes to Peter. And says, he shouldn't ought to be teaching this. He shouldn't ought to be talking this. This is the wrong way to be talking. Where does that thought come from? It doesn't come from God. Because this is the plan of God. And Jesus is telling what the plan of God is. So Peter, born again, under the best teacher of the day, followed after him, was one of his disciples, could not realize that this was the enemy. That's how good the enemy can be. 
and he begins to put these thoughts in him for a point of for a purpose of action. And Peter takes that action, pulls Jesus aside, and says, "You shouldn't be teaching like this. Far be it from you that this should happen to you." So he doesn't just come up to him and say, "This is wrong teaching. This is bad for the the ministry." He doesn't say that. He says. We, we don't want to see this happen to you. Far be it that this kind of a thing would happen that you're talking about. That you'd be crucified. That you'd be beaten. Oh, far be it. We don't want to see those kind. He's doing it out of love for, for Jesus. It would seem. That's what it seems like to him. But what's Jesus say about it? But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, this thing did not come from God's kingdom. It came from Satan's kingdom. If I accept them, I'm accepting things that do not have the mind of God. That's what he says to him. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. He doesn't say the things of Satan. He says the things of men. You can be mindful of the things of God. You can be mindful of the things of men. Or you can be mindful of the things of the enemy. Only one of those is good. Jesus sees being mindful of the things of men as bad enough that he rebukes him. He rebukes Peter harshly. But look at what he says. Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. Now, I'm sure that this is probably a thought that Satan is trying to sow into Jesus. But he's not accepting it. So he puts it into one of his buddies. You sowed that thought into him. And he did. Didn't go so well. But if I accept the thoughts that Satan gives me, I'm accepting of the things of his kingdom or the things that are of men. And that's what I'm making myself mindful of. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We're not to be mindful of the things of men. We're not to be mindful of the things of the enemy. We're to be mindful of the things of God. And the enemy is trying to put thoughts in our head to get us to not have the mind of Christ on things, but to have the mind of men, to have the mind of the enemy, to go in a different direction. Now, here's the thing that we've got to realize about these thoughts. These thoughts do not come alone. If I accept these thoughts, other stuff is coming. Mark chapter 14, verse 1. After two days it was Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. But they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this flask, this, this flagrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do to them good. But you do not, you do not have always. Me do you not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. 
Before we go on with that, let's take a look at this. Jesus is not addressing their thoughts in this one. They had thoughts when they first saw the woman come in and do this. They had thoughts. This is not the same one that we saw before. The earlier one was in a different part of the country. And the other one was earlier in the ministry. This one is later in the ministry. Getting close to the time he's, he's going to be um, crucified, dead, buried, all that sort of thing. And she comes in to anoint him as Jesus says, anoint me for my burial. She comes in to do that. They're not so uh, as, as much upset at the woman doing it as the cost of the things. This could have been sold for money, given to the poor. Now that thought came in, it said his disciples. It didn't say one in particular, but it said his disciples were having this. And as they had this thought, they began to share this thought with each other. And after they shared this thought with each other and became comfortable with it, they began to criticize the woman right there in front of Jesus. Jesus is dealing with their criticism, not their thoughts. See, I don't have to have somebody reveal your thoughts or somebody's thoughts to me if, you, if they start speaking out of them. They reveal them themselves. So Jesus doesn't need the Holy Spirit to reveal their thoughts. They've said it. We think this was bad. We think this is not a good idea. We think that this could have been sold. Had some things go on with it. Do some other, other good things with it. But he says, no, let her alone. Let her alone. This isn't, this isn't the way to go with this. So he goes on in verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Now, I think it's John's gospel that puts this as uh, Judas, the one who became the spokesman. That they began to talk among themselves, but Judas is the one who said this particular thing. Why was not this sold? So he was the one who stepped up to, to do that. Here it just says that they said... Of course, one person would become the spokesperson, and that would be Judas. So it seemed that this thought had come to maybe all, maybe some, but a number of the disciples had this thought, had a discussion among themselves, and one of their number, Judas, stood up, and he began, he said this out loud. Now, he said it, of course, John reveals to us, he said it not because he cared about the poor, but because he wanted the money he put into the treasury so that he could dip into it, because at that point he had been dipping into the, the funds. So, again, wrong thoughts come into the disciples and they entertain them to the point that they're, they're talking about it. But Judas is the one who seems to embrace them the most. And so he begins, he goes to the chief priest and says, look, I want to betray him. I'm going to betray Jesus. What do you want? And they were glad that he came and they did this. The thoughts came in. Like I said, thoughts do not come in by themselves. Thoughts have baggage. Have you ever had a relative come over, they want to visit, and when they get there, you find out they have other things? Have you ever had a relative come up and uh, they had an unusual pet, maybe a snake? And they brought that, well, I can't leave, whatever the snake's name is, can't leave it at home. Had to bring him along. So now you've got a snake in your house. You don't like snakes. But, they, but you invited the relative over. Now you've got a snake in the house. Or maybe they had something else. You know, we had a rat in our house last week. We had a rat. Yep, it's indeed. Um, it didn't come with any relative. <laughs> it, it just came by itself. 
and uh, had its own little cage. And uh, my wife uh, has a neighbor, and they were going on vacation, and she was watching a rat for somebody. And she said, would you uh, watch this rat? So the rat came over. <clears throat> he was there for a couple of days. Granddaughter was absolutely fascinated with the rat. Kept going over there and wanted to see the rat and take a look at the rat and, and, uh, and, and, and so forth. And, and a funny story on, the, on, on that one. I was, it was a Wednesday. The rat was picked up. The, the two people who came to pick up the rat came by on Wednesday. I was getting ready to leave for church, and they came on in, and so I was fussing around getting some things. So uh, they were telling some kind of a story, and my wife had been on the phone beforehand. I didn't really get involved in all that sort of thing. I'm not involved in the rat. <coughs> I don't mind rats. I mean, it's, it's, they, they, I hear they make great pets except for their tails. I've never had one, don't want to have one, not planning on having one, but that's what I hear about them. But anyway, these folks, they had a rat, and uh, they came on over. It seemed like nice, uh, nice enough people, but apparently they had gone to the wrong house to pick up the rat because the neighbor was the one that was originally watching, watching them and she went on vacation. So she said, it's at my other neighbor's house and um, they were on the wrong road and they knocked on the door to, uh, to do that. And as they did, they stood out there waiting for the, for the person to answer and no one answered the door. And so they called the person who was originally watching, our neighbor, and they said, we're out here, uh, nobody's answering, nobody's coming. And just as they were on the phone with them, three police cars pulled up <coughs> and surrounded them to, you know, why are you here? At this, 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 the person inside had called the police because these two people were outside the door ringing the bell. I'm thinking, how does that conversation with the policeman go? Hi, I got two people outside, they're ringing my bell. Uh, answer the door? I don't know. <laughs> but they, they didn't do it. They... Um, <laughs> so they had to deal with, I don't know how long it took them to deal with the police in that one, but it's just like we're just here to pick up a rat. <laughs> Came over to the right house, and uh, we, didn't, we didn't call the police on them. I don't even know how that, three police cars, how did three police cars show up because somebody's ringing the doorbell, not breaking down the door. Nothing like, not, not shouting things on the outside, just ringing the doorbell and waiting for somebody to answer. I don't know how that, but anyway, that's what that's what happened. So that was, that was quite a story. That's our little rat story. But anyway, they move in. Maybe they have a rat. Maybe they have foul language. Maybe they have a habit. Maybe they smoke. And they're bringing these things into your house. And you don't like it. They're bringing some baggage along. You didn't know that they came with that. When you had them, when they say, hey, I, I need to be up there. Can I stay with you for a couple of days? You did not know that they come with all that baggage. But when they showed up, here they are. And now they're in your house. See, that's what happens with the thoughts that the devil gives us. We take that thought, we embrace that thought, we don't realize that the thought has baggage with it. And when I embrace that thought and I get it into my heart, that baggage comes along with me. Might be a snake, might be a rat, might be a nasty habit, whatever it might be. Those things come along. And I have them. Judas embraced this thought. Some baggage came along with it, and it led him to betray Jesus. This is, the, this is the act of Jesus that pushed him over the edge, that sent him over to the high priest and said, I'll betray him to you. What will you give me? And they made it a financial arrangement that they would do this. These thoughts that the devil gives us, folks, they have baggage. You need to be on guard against them. You need to be on guard. When you let these thoughts come in about the people that are around you, they have baggage. It will come in. 
it will rob you of what you need. It robbed Judas of the best relationship he had in his life, and that was with Jesus. How many of you would have loved to have had the relationship with Jesus that Judas had? And Judas was robbed of it because of this thought and other thoughts that had come to him. Put in your outline, the thoughts do not come by themselves. Once accepted, they unpack. They unpack things. Think of it this way. Have you, you probably have heard the warnings. You know, don't open email attachments from people that you don't know. And some people learn that the hard way. They opened up the email attachment and then their computer got taken over by a virus or some kind of a bug. Or uh, they have that one that goes out there that uh, it holds your computer hostage and you can't do anything to it until you pay them the ransom. Yeah, unless you stripped your whole computer down. But if you want to get all your pictures and all your stuff back, you got to pay them whatever money they say to, to do. Yeah, that's a fun one. It would seem that some, all, or most had this thought, but Judas is the one who let it move in. He's the one who let it move in. He's the one that let it unpack. Put this in your outline for you too. If I accept the revelation of the thoughts of those around me and it's not of God, the extra baggage moves in with me. Now understand this. The revelation of what they're thinking may be right and it may be wrong, but it makes no difference. If it does not come from God, it comes with baggage. Even if it's true. Even if it's true. Think of it this way. How many of you have ever learned something that you wish you didn't know? I wish I never found that out about that person. Yeah. There are some things God says, you know what? You are better off not knowing this. And the devil says, no, 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 we're going to bring that out. I'm going to let you know about this thing, and uh, it doesn't help you. Just go all the way back to the garden. You're going to be like God, knowing both good and evil. It wasn't so, so good for them, was it? The thoughts and motives of Judas became different from that of God and his kingdom. Just as Peter's had become different. If you accept the thought from the enemy, whether it is revealing something that is false as true or revealing something that is true. If it comes from the enemy, it comes with baggage. Refuse it. Do not accept it. It will hurt you. It will harm you. You do not need it. This is why you've got to identify the source, not the truth of the thing, the source. Just because a thought that a person had is true and it's revealed to you does not mean God revealed it. And if God did not reveal it, then you have something that came from someplace else. Test the spirits to see if they are true, whether they are, I'm sorry, whether they are of God. Test the spirits to see if they are of God. If they're not of God, don't accept it. Toss it out. I don't need to know that. That's not God revealing that to me. You are not going to be immune to these thoughts coming your way. This is the tactic of the enemy. He is going to try and reveal thoughts to you about other people. He's going to try and reveal motives. He's going to try and reveal things that they've done. If that does not come with a strategy to help them, to bring unity, it's going to end badly. Don't embrace it. Toss it out. Well, God, you didn't reveal that to me, so I don't need to know it. And throw it out. You can put it out of your head. And it's important that you do. Don't mess with it. People who do this once will find these things moving in those involved in the revelation. 
So here's what will happen. If you have a relationship with somebody and the enemy comes in and he reveals something to you about them, about their thoughts, whether true or false, it just makes no difference. If you accept what the enemy is saying, what the enemy has revealed as being from God or as being true or however, whatever it is, you bring it in. Here's some of the things you're going to see. They're going to affect that relationship. First off, criticalness. You are, going, you are going to become very critical of them. Envy and strife will enter in. Gossip. It will incline you to tell other people, not the ones involved. Gossip will come out of that. Distrust. You will distrust them. Dislike, even hatred, will grow on the inside of you because of this revelation. We end up with the conclusion, I don't need them. I don't want them around. I'm better off without them. How many of you have relatives or friends who stayed with you a little while and after they stayed with you, you no longer wanted to be friends? You no longer wanted them to be around. Yeah, some things just shouldn't be revealed, right? <laughs> some things are just... Uh, because while they were there, things were being said, things were being done, motives were being exposed. We just don't need to have that kind of stuff go on. Now, a thought is not just a thought. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, <clears throat> that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what we need to stay on. Renew in our mind. You are not going to renew your mind with thoughts from the enemy. Get them out. Philippians 4.8 Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's the list we ought to meditate on. The enemy is not going to supply you with that list. He's going to supply you with things that are contrary to that. Proverbs 4 and 23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. What did Jesus say? They wasn't just a thought, it was in their heart. It was in their heart. If you let these thoughts of the enemy, these revelations about other people get in your head, they will get in your heart and now they will affect the very life that you are supposed to have. It's just like the water in your house becoming contaminated and it's supposed to give you life and instead it's a poison. It's building up toxins in your body and getting ready to kill you. You don't need it. Don't bring that kind of stuff in. Stand on guard against this. Don't let it happen. It's important that you don't. Now, we've encouraged all of you folks to you know, get on Facebook and and look at some of the things. How many were on Facebook this week and saw the Brother Hagen prophecy that I put up on the, on the page? We've got one, two, three, four, four. How many did not see it? How many did not see it at all? All right. I want, to, want you to listen to it. It's very, this was given back in, I think it was 63 was the, the date for the thing. 60, 1963. That's two years old then. This, this prophecy was given. This is how long ago this was. 
I want you to listen to this prophecy. You can just play. You don't have to drag it all the way over. I want you to listen to this prophecy in light of what is going on today. All right, go ahead and play it. God spoke unto me and said, Come up, come up here, son of man. And I am ready to tell you the air. And stood with him, the head of the church, even the Lord Jesus Christ, in the air. And as I looked down upon the ground, I could see as a mouth laid out before me the entire nation, all of the states of the continental United States. And as I looked, he said, Behold, son, and I shall show you that which shall come to pass. And that which the eyes of many shall see, and they shall remember that their ears heard that it shall come to pass. For there came a dark hand up out of the ocean, from the east, even the Atlantic Ocean. It came up out of the sea as a hand, and as it rose up into the air, it became a dark cloud. And it filled the whole atmosphere. And yet it swept in them like a star from sea. And I said, Oh Lord, Oh Lord, Oh Lord, what's the meaning of this? And he spake unto me and said, Son, that is the darkness of atheistic communism that is sweeping across the nation. Even in the minds of men in high places and politicians with great power. And this nation shall not grow more strong, and ye shall never have more liberty than you have now, but liberties that you've known, as you have seen, seen them see, shall be seized, and shall be taken from you. And I looked again. And I can see upon the mouth of bronze, as though a bottle of ink had been spilled and it spread out over several states in the south and east. And then I looked and I could see spots, spots all over the mouth. And I said, Lord, what meaneth this? And he said, communistic inspired hatred among races shall cause greater turmoil than your nation has seen heretofore. Yea, it is not the will of God, but men's hearts are perverse. They walk without the love of God and seek to have their own way. And so it shall be worse than you have seen. And I said, O oh Lord, O oh Lord, is there a remedy? Is there a remedy? What shall the answer be? And he said, Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceived and being deceived. And then I said, O Lord, do we have nothing to look forward to in the future except the darkness, the blackness, war, destruction, evil? Forget not your text, for you look at the thing not seen. 
And so then I looked into the spirit realm, and I saw falling upon that mountain a ball of fire from heaven. The closer to the earth, the bigger it got. And then when it came to the earth, it divided into small balls or sparks of fire and fell upon me. I saw an army of men rise up. And it seemed as though their hands were fire. And they sat upon their heads a tongue of fire. When I first saw it, I thought their whole heads were a head of fire like their hands. But it was a tongue of fire. Tongues of fire leaping. And I said, What need of this? And he said, For the worst of them. And the day of darkness is and shall those who will go who shall carry the fullness of my truth and the fire. Not only to the states of this nation, but to many other places. For there is a work that must be done first spiritually before the Lord shall come. Now prepare ye your hearts, for the time is at hand, and the beginning is now. And ye shall see, and ye shall know, for the hand of the Lord is upon you, and many of to be used in these last days, and the work shall progress. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus. And I said to him, O Lord, thank you that I may have a small place to work. And he said, I will cause thy tent to be enlarged. Yea, thou shalt have an enlarged ministry, and shalt minister to many, where you minister to a few. Therefore, go ye back to the earth, and be thy great faithful, and give forth that which I tell thee to give. For ye have been reluctant in days gone by to tell it. Now tell it boldly, and speak it true, for now is the day that it shall be so. Oh, that you can uh, head over to uh, the church Facebook page and you can listen to it again and, and hear that but some of the things that were were told here don't we see a lot of that going on with the political leaders and the darkness that is on them and the the uh, atheistic communism as he called it 
we're seeing this uh, even get worse here in that we're the, the um, things that are done against the church, the things that are done to keep the church quiet, to put the church down, is, is, is constant. It's, uh, it's continual. Uh, I hear about every week the things that are, that are going on, either from the government, edicts from the, the president, uh, against the church. No president in my lifetime has ever attacked the church as much as this one has. Most of it is not made known. Most of it is not promoted. Most of it the, the, the press stays away from to keep people in the dark about it. I don't bring things up here every Sunday because I, we don't, I don't want to focus on the darkness. Although every once in a while I bring up something that just you all just need to be aware of. But the, the attacks are continual. And the church is being silenced. One of the last ones that they, they just did is um, they've, they've done some things with uh, homeless shelters and uh, from the president. And what the homeless shelters now have to do is accept all, even transgenders, and allow them to use whatever bathroom and sleep wherever it is that they want to sleep. Now, who runs most of the homeless shelters in our country? So see, it's a subtle way of coming against the church and getting them to do some things in this area without actually saying that this is what they're, they're doing. But that's who runs most of the homeless shelters. It's they're done out of certain churches or somehow a church has sponsored it or, or whatever it might be. So they have to be in conformity with that now. So we're, we're seeing that, that will go on. The racial unrest that has gone on has been worse. People thought that because we elected someone who's, a, they called him a black president. He's not a black president. He's white and black. He's a combination of, of things. But they thought that would be better. And it has not. Racial relations have been, been worse. There are things he, and you say, well, it's not all his fault. There are things as a president that you can do to stop it. You go back to the uh, Michael Brown story. The Michael Brown, there were so much, un, so much lies that were told. I had a conversation out here with somebody. I haven't seen him back at church yet. I don't care that we haven't seen him back at church since then. But they were so caught up with these lies. about They were quoting all the lies back to me, and I didn't let them quote those lies back to me. I told him what was going on. That hands up, don't shoot, you know, all that stuff that was going on. Do you all know that was debunked? That was never said? Never had gone on? That only one person brought that up in testimony? And that was a close friend of the victim? And that the other people who gave testimony said it never happened? Other, tes- other people testimony, both white and black, who were given testimony, said that the police offered more restraint than they would have in the same situation that they would have shot him sooner. If the president would have gotten up and said all the facts in the case, how much better would it have been? Instead, he got up and fanned the flame for all that. We had the shooting out in Milwaukee. I saw one of the, one of the papers in there. This is what they printed on the headline. Police shoots unarmed black youth. That was the headline. If you read the story, you found out that the policeman shot an armed black youth who had a criminal record. How do you get a title like that on an article that says that? And it wasn't even a racial thing. It was a, the, the officer was black, the victim was black, and, but they fired it up and Milwaukee just exploded. And people lost homes and businesses and, and things that because we're stirring these things up. This is going on. I, I bring up some things here in church. 
We have a very multi-race congregation. I like that we have a multi-race congregation. I think it's fantastic. I think it's good. But I know that there are forces that are going to try and stir people up. So there's some things I'll bring up and, and let, let folks know. There are some racial things that go on in this country. I understand that. There are some white people who hate black people, and there are some black people who hate white people, and there are some Mexicans who hate black people, and there are some black people who... This goes on. You have them. They are around. I can't stand them. I can't stand hearing their conversation. But it doesn't mean that everybody is. We might have some police officers that are into in racism, but it doesn't mean that most of them are. Thank God we have the police officers that we do. We're not back in the Wild West days. But just understand, people are going to be stirring up, trying to get us to, to, to separate. And to, this is the goal. This is the fantastic prophecy. Give it in 63. Now, we know some of the things that happened in the 60s in the area of racial violence and things are going on. And we're seeing a, a lot of this going on here now as well. Be on guard against it. Don't let thoughts come in. They're from the enemy. They come with baggage. You know, we, we have a lot of different races in this country. We have a lot of diff- ethnic differences. And they're great. They're fine. You know, white people don't have to act like black people, and black people don't have to act like white people, and we don't have to act like Mexicans or Chinese or, or whoever it is. I just like people because they're good people. There are some people that I just don't want them to hang around. I don't care what the color of their skin is. They just aren't, aren't fun. They aren't, aren't very good. But we always see this polarization in, in, in people. I told you the stories before when I was at a park uh, down in Willow Grove, worked at the park. And um, they asked me before I worked there, they said, do you have any problem with, with gangs? Um, uh, you know, uh, hard crowds, I think they put it that. I said, no, I, I can usually get along with them pretty well. Well, I got in there and I found out that this was a very volatile area, that the police were down there all the time breaking up fights and doing all sorts of stuff. And we had a white gang up on one end of the park and we had a black gang on the other end of the park. Now, the black gang, and they were all, I say a black gang because every single one of them, 100%, <coughs> they were all black. And the white gang, 100%, all of them were white. And they were on opposite ends of the park. The black gang, came in to play basketball, which is what you do at a park. And they would come up to the Mount Pavilion and they would get the basketball and they'd go out there and they'd play basketball. they play basketball in the park as you're supposed to do. I like them. <laughs> I'd actually, when I got off work, I'd go out. Every once in a while, they'd let me play. I wasn't as good as they were. They were, they were just bad. They played all the time. I barely played at all. And they just, but every once in a while, they'd let me come in there and, and I'd get to play. The white gang, they'd sit up there and they did drugs, smoked, stuff like that. Uh, I didn't hang out with them. I kicked some of them out of the park. I got rocks thrown at me a few times because I was kicking them out of the park. And so what I did was there was I started walking around the park once I saw we were in. And I, my job was to clean up the park. Walked around the park, prayed in tongues. Every morning walked around the park, prayed in tongues. And the attitude in the park changed. The chief of police came up, pulled into the park one time. I mean, nothing was going on. He just pulled into the park. He walked up to me and he says, uh, <sighs> said, what's going on down here this year? I said, everything seems to be in order. I said, everything's going pretty good. I said, we've got these group over here. They play basketball. This other group over here, they do these things. And he says, um, he says, we used to be called down here all the time. We haven't been called down to this park yet. And um, it, was, it was good. It was, it was a good thing. There was one time I got in trouble with the black gang. One time. And I had to go. I had a place I had to be. I had another job. I think I had to be over at church or something like that or some kind of thing. So... Uh, I couldn't let them stay any longer. I couldn't 
play basketball with them and have them stay longer. I had to leave at the time. I had to leave, and they had the basketball from the pavilion. So I went down there and said, guys, sorry, i got to take the basketball. I have to go. I can't stay around anymore. Well, a couple of them got mad that I was going to take their basketball. One of them followed me into the pavilion, and he looked like he wanted to do something. I put the basketball back. I apologized again. I said, I'll be back here tomorrow. This time, if you want to come on back here and get the ball, I'll be happy to, to give it out. He looked like he wanted to do something, just couldn't do it. And then finally he just left and uh, locked it up and, uh, and went on. So I don't know whatever happened with that. He just looked like he wanted to do a little more than just follow me in there and try and talk me in. He didn't, t- didn't say anything the whole time. He just walked me, followed me into the, the thing, and, and, uh, and that was it. But um, racial stress there with, with uh, the white gang and the black gang. We see, we see this kind of stuff all the time. But the Spirit of God can overcome that. Don't listen. The me- I tell you that over and over, do not put what the media says in your home. Because they are, do not represent stories correctly. They don't do it. And you get in your head what they're saying, but it's not true. It isn't true. There is some, some racial stuff that goes on. There are some people who are biased against people that are not of their race. I understand that. It's a small number of people. Thank God it's a small, smaller number. It used to be larger. It's a smaller number of people. But don't assume that other people are, are, are thinking that way. They may reveal themselves to be uh, bad news. And then you deal with them as God tells you to deal with them. But uh, otherwise, uh, don't, don't assume. Don't put that. The devil is going to try and sow into you what other people are thinking. What other people think about you. Do not let him do it. Don't let him do it. It will come with baggage. And it will mess up your life. Judas went from a place of being tied in to Jesus. And all, tw- all 11 of the rest of them went on to great ministries. And we know them. But Judas, we know, died shortly after this. Killed himself. His life was lost. And it's happened to other people as well. Don't let the enemy sow thoughts about other people to you. What does the Word of God tell us to do as far as malice is concerned? In malice, be as babes. Even if you hear something and it's true, just let it go right by. <laughs> Don't let it affect you. Well, I'm just going to love them. I'm just going to keep on, on going on and, and loving them. It'll go much better for you. But do you, you understand this? The enemy will reveal thoughts, intents, and motives of other people to you. Some of them he will be right about. Some of them he will not be. All you need to know is, if it came from him, I do not need it. It will do nothing but harm me. It will hold me back. It will mess me up. Don't embrace it. Don't do it. We're going to see that this, this pressure is going to be on. Pressure is going to be on the church to be quiet. The pressure is going to be on us to to get mad at other people because they aren't like us. Don't do it. Word of God says there's neither Gentile nor Jew, slave nor free, all those kind of things. Just keep on on going on. I heard somebody say, what color is God? I heard from a few people who actually got up to heaven and they said he's all colors. He He just... exudes all colors. I don't, I don't know how you do it, but he's God. <laughs> he's God. 
We're going to be being for some stuff when we get up there. All right, that's for later. All right, let's stand up. We're going to pray together, give you some uh, praise reports. I've been standing this whole time. You can stand when I read the praise reports. Yeah, that's easier. Susan's praising God. A serious paperwork problem got resolved. Oh, yeah, the one that you had uh, sent about. And she needed some things sent over to her, her uh, work, and they got there in time. So she can start work tomorrow. Yeah. And she's thankful that her hand is improving, and I'm going back to... Yeah, it says right there, going back to work tomorrow. All right. <laughs> uh, Vanessa, I received a good offer on my aunt's house, and I accepted it. The plan is to settle before the end of September. I know that just it's not just good to have it sold, but just good to have that whole thing done. They've been going through a whole lot of things like that. Phyllis had a great trip to drop Jeremy off, and there was a great sense of peace leaving him there. Also dropped Eric off, and he knows... Uh, that one's great also. All right. Uh, Candy and Bobby asked for prayer for uh, the building that they have. The owner is selling it. And they're praying for a new landlord that is just as good as the one that they're losing because they like the one that they have. So we're praying, praying for that. My mom wanted prayer over her foot or feet. Oh, back on there was the feet. We were talking about sand. I always thought it's that, that Sam was good for your feet, so I guess I got distracted with that. Well, come on up. We're going to lay hands on her for, uh, for that. She leaves for mini vacation tomorrow, heads down to my, uh, my uncle's, her brother's house down, in, uh, down at the shore and gets to spend some time in Ocean City. Best place to go vacation in the world. <laughs> my, my favorite place anyway. That's, uh, that's probably, so it's, the pain is where? Lower back? Yeah. Right side, left side? Okay. All right. Let's uh, pray and believe together. Father God, we thank you that the power of God is true today. That, Father, you desire us to be healed. And we thank you for it. So in the name of Jesus, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we command right now the pain you leave, the back you line up right now in the name of Jesus, you... You be aligned and you stop with this pain. In Jesus' name, she can walk and do the things that she was made to do. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Pain you have to go. Pain you have to leave. No more. No more. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Glory to God. What was painful before? All right. But, but, but you had to do some some things are just painful all the time. All the time. I was sitting. Okay. How's it feel right now? You still feel some? No. All right. All right. Any of that comes on, comes on back and tries to come on back. Don't accept it. Speak to it. You know how to do that. I know you know how to do that. No, you get out of my body. We don't tolerate these these kind of things. Glory to God. All right. <laughs> well, as we we pass word around. We are going out to uh, going to head out to eat somewhere, and we'd love to have you all come along. We know we're short in numbers here today. It's not Mike and Eileen's last Sunday with us, but I believe they had some things going on uh, next Sunday after church that would keep them from being as free for a fellowship time as they would be today. So we were hoping to do a picnic over at our house and have everybody over there again. We did some things to get things ready at the house, but then uh, it didn't. Every every day it looked like this was the day they're focusing on thunderstorms and 
all sorts of nasty stuff coming in and just hard to do a picnic with, with that kind of thing going on. So we decided to move it on over to, to one of the restaurants. And so um, we have uh, reservations out there for one of the big tables. Our main thing is we want a big table place to, to be able to do that. So Rashawn sent me a note. We were able to get something at Miller's. Ted's, I know, is his favorite spot, but Ted's is a little pricier. We wanted to make sure that it was open for everybody to come. They have a little bit more of a menu down there and a little bit more of a, uh, some lower-cost items and some medium-cost, whatever you want to do. So we're going to head on down to Miller's. We have a reservation at 1 o'clock for a, a table big enough for, for, the folks that, for all you folks who said you were coming. So we appreciate you giving us the, the heads up on that. And um, the next week, next Sunday is our last Sunday to see you. But this is not our last Sunday to see them, but it's probably our last afternoon fellowship because I think you had some things going on with the family for after church. So we just wanted to get that in here on, on this one. So next Sunday we see the Ekpays back, and then they'll be um, on their, their, their last Sunday out. What is, your, is it Monday the day you fly? Thursday, okay. All right. Very good. So uh, if you are planning on heading on out,